0: Welcome to Demond Does the COVID Conversations. How you feeling? How you dealing? Let's get to talking and start the healing. (sighs) Do you have anything better? Leave your suggestions with a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, we've all been affected by COVID-19, and I thought the effects on mental health need to be talked about more, and I'm not qualified. So I said to myself, self, we need to find ourselves some experts. The COVID Conversations is a result of that search. This interview is the first of a series of conversations that we can use to help us better mentally navigate our headspace. It was eye-opening and yet very simple. Don't believe me? I'll prove it then. Take it away, pass me. Welcome to Demand Does and we're talking COVID-19 and mental health. And since I'm not an expert, I just found one. Please say hello to Eric Baker Jr., licensed clinical social worker and certified alcohol and drug counselor.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How do you describe your therapy method? How do you assess them and then figure out, okay, I'm going to take this approach, I'm going to use these, these tools in my toolbox?
1: It, it just depends on the person, like what kind of modality or approach I'm going to take the person. But with all my clients, I do what's called therapy by contract. And so it's called that because it's based off the legal, ethical outline of the legal contract. Basically I start with the person and say, okay, what do you want to change about yourself? How do you want to be different as a result of working with me? What do I need? What do you need from me? What are you going to do in this bargain? We kind of work that out together. Does that make sense? So like I kind of have them guide me and then just depending on the person, I kind of got to fill them out too. Like some people, they're real heady. And so they're going to want, they're going to be real thinkers and they're going to be kind of stoic folks. And so I might start them off with something like cognitive behavior therapy, which you know, it's like helping you get to your thoughts and feelings kind of stuff. Other folks don't work that way. You know, other folks are real emotional and like, you know, they just feel and act. And so I might take a different approach with them. Other people are more artistic or so on. And so it's the matter of like getting to know that person. And, and ultimately, like, you know, I think most therapists will tell you this, you know, it doesn't matter, matter the modality. It matters about the rapport they have with their therapist um, or the, with their client. You know, you got to be able to relate with a client. You got to be able to like select care that you have for a person with them and connect with them that way. And then from that connection, things kind of naturally evolve into two different modalities, I'd say, for me at least.
0: What is a common misconception people have about mental health?
1: There's stigma around mental health that you've got to be like in crisis or you got to be able like, to go crazy before you go see a therapist. And that's not true. Everyone can benefit from mental health. I thought it was clever and then someone else also came up with this idea, but I, I call it emotional hygiene. I like to compare it to that. Like, you know, you brush your teeth every day, right? Yes. Maybe twice a day. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, and hopefully you go to the dentist like twice a year. Yeah. Right. And so you don't just go brush your teeth when they feel disgusting. And you don't just like go to a dentist when your teeth hurts. You go to get the checkup and clean up that kind of thing. Ideally, you know, we're not just reacting to our emotions when they're at like that 10 and we're just like in this like blood rage of anger acting out and, or we're just in this deep dark place. Now we're asking for help. You know, we are kind of in tune with what we're feeling all the time, every day, all day. And then we are getting the help we need, or we're, we're kind of going in to learn about ourselves and get tools to help ourselves, you know, just regularly. So I, I think the misconception is that mental health or therapy in general is for people that are mentally ill or that there even is such a thing actually as mental illness. Like I I don't know that I'd buy that there's like truly like mentally ill people. I, I think there's people that I think all people are okay. I think there's people that might act like or they might feel like they tell themselves they're not okay. But I think in reality we're all okay. It's just a matter of how we're relating to ourselves and what's going on inside of ourselves.
0: It feels like it puts the onus on, not the onus, but it it gives more control to the individual. is was what it feels like. Am I understanding yeah. that correctly?
1: Right. I'm just equal among other people, I mean, yeah, I'm a mental health professional. when I look at a person, I'm I'm no more of an expert of their experience or their reality than they are. I'm not. I don't live in other people's heads. I don't live in you know. So like, it's a matter of again meeting where they're at and. Maybe but yeah, go you to know the mis yeah. But the misconception is, I think that you have to be really in a bad spot to get help. No, that's, I think that's like like the people in the door. But then the real work of therapy happens in the 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 boring parts of life, the daily stuff
0: that no different than brushing your teeth kind of thing. I've been laid off for a few months now since like March. Oh, okay, I'm a massage yeah. therapist by trade. And oh man, okay, yeah. And my daughter's birthday was was in April, and she had a really she her and my wife mm-hmm. are super extroverted,
1: yeah.
0: And oh, uh, and my daughter like just is just as girly as girly gets, and yeah. she's had some. We've had our ups and downs mm-hmm. through this time period of you know being together and you know learn to live with each other. And my daughter in particular seems to be seems to have really strong waves of emotions and like on her sure. birthday she just she finally just broke down and completely you know lost it yeah. I was wondering this this is a, this is a personal one for me <laughs> um, sure. how, can, how can parents help children deal with their feelings of like anger loneliness during this isolation and how do we explain COVID-19
1: sure so held uh, your daughter she's six okay, I have a five year old daughter so anger is telling us we're not getting what we want if you, that's the way I explain it to kids you know, it, it's that simple. There's nothing bad or wrong with anger. It's, you know, what we do with it that matters. Actually, it's the other side of happiness. Happiness is saying we're getting what we want. Anger is saying we're not. Mm. And so right now, a lot of us aren't getting what we want. <laughs> right. Whether it be, you know, five, six-year-old kid or just grown adults, everyone wants to be mad at something with COVID. Like, I think of it like with COVID, especially, like, it's like the butterfly effect. I'm not mad at a butterfly for flapping its wings in Australia for causing the rile to sneeze that caused this you know, current that led to a hurricane. You know, like you've heard that old analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Looking at like, okay, how do you get mad at, at a virus? Right. You know, it's like we all want to be mad at with this. And I think we all kind of know. And so human, t- human nature is when, when uh, we start off angry outside of something we have no control over, we tend to, as an attempt, to gain control in it, we tend to take that anger that's outward and turn it in on ourselves and beat ourselves up. Well, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing things right. I'm, I'm you know, I'm the messed up one here. And so we then beat ourselves up with that and that, that can become depression. Mm-hmm. So, so they get to answering your question, like how do parents help their kids deal with their feelings of anger, the anger part. And I, it's like, I tell my daughter, it's, it's, she gets mad at the virus and she gets mad at people for not social distancing along walks and she'll, you know, you're not distancing. you're spreading the virus. <laughs> it's like, appreciate her honesty in some ways. And, you know, I, I she's outspoken. It's refreshing. Um, it is, you know, like kids are awesome. But I explained to her, it's like, you know, it's this is the feeling that we have. We got It's okay to feel it. You know, it's okay to be angry about this. It's okay to feel sad, but it's not anything you've done. It's not your fault. It's not anymore. You need to be doing, you're doing what you need. You know, you're staying safe. You know, you're doing take care of yourself. and we'll get through this, but you know, right now this is uh, what we feel when we can't have what we want. And let that be kind of a reminder of how often we get what we want, mm-hmm. especially in our country. And like, I think most of us this is a country where we very rarely have to make a lot of sacrifices, you know, like we have with this virus. And so I think that's why a lot of us are kind of angry because we've, we've, we're always used to getting what we want all the time. You know, that kind of explain, okay, we're just not getting what we want. It's what we feel. It's Okay. And let it be that. The loneliness and isolation stuff. I mean, that, that's, that's a, I think, a different part, too. I think with that, it's do what we can. You know, it's, it's, I'm grateful for, like, you know, a Facebook messenger for my daughter. She's in touch with her friends. And then we, you know, I think, like, looking at, you know, how you can connect. You know, we can connect with people more than just being there in person, like, you know, writing letters or emails or, or all the technology we have. Like, we live in a time where it's pretty great. And I understand it's not the same. But I think, like, just recognizing that, okay, what's the next best thing if it's not in person? And so, again, focusing on, well, it's not what we want. What's the next best thing we can have? And I think there's a third part to your question. How do we explain COVID 19? Was it the last part? Yes. I, I, just honestly. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, I tell my daughter, we talk about the virus that's, you know, how it's transmitted, you know, through like air droplets. It's really contagious. Uh, you know, for children, it's pretty, it's not likely to even show up, but it might affect people that are more vulnerable. So we got to be careful and wash our hands. But it's something that, you know, not something that we need to be totally afraid of, but also not fear, you know, not be uh, foolhardy about, you know, something to take serious, but it's something that also that we will uh, uh, overcome. And I think, get, you know, that will make things better ultimately in a lot of ways i I think i'm I'm optimistic that way at least maybe i'm crazy but i do think like it's kind of highlighting a lot of stuff that needs to change Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like showing us like okay we gotta make some changes to things and practice some things differently and address some issues that aren't being addressed but it's just sort of a it's a virus it's something that's spreading just like like a flu or something else but you know we have to just take precautions with and and then the other thing is just answer questions. Like when it comes to kids in general with hard stuff, I kind of do my best to like just give them the outline of things. And be like, well, what questions do you have? And then just answer the questions honestly. Hmm. I think that's usually the best approach. I see the best policy makes perfect sense. Yeah, always. Yeah, and just like open this. Like, yeah, you know, be curious, kid. Like, what do you what do you want to know?
0: Right. And if I don't know, I can find, I'll, I'll call somebody who this right. or we'll we'll Google it. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. I like, I don't
0: know. Okay, so my wife is a super. Like I was telling you earlier, my wife is a super extrovert. It's um yeah. It's interesting at parties sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for people like her, and you know, people I, like me, I'm yeah, I'm going to go back to work very soon. Maybe a little, you know. Uh, people have anxiety about going back in public, and like your daughter was talking about, you know, dealing with people not doing so, not practicing, mm-hmm. not wearing a mask, or you know, not yeah, right. practicing social distancing. Like, how can we pair that? Uh, pair to start bringing being back with friends and family in public places after being isolated so long. It's you know, kind of like, kind of like uh, the adult version of the cooties, almost. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, the super cooties, right? It's uh
1: yeah. I think the way to prepare or the way to kind of like kind of get ourselves reacquainted with social stuff is to start with what's, what our priorities are. I mean, as we've been doing one way, like, you know, getting to the grocery, is a priority. So we go, but like, you know, like start with who do you want to see the most and focus on just that. Like, you know, I think it'd be kind of full have like huge part of like a raging party or something like that, you know? you haven't seen grandma and you want to see grandma and that's the, your priority let that, let's that. let just start with like one priority at a time mm. and, and see how it goes like that's why we're still being responsible we're still practicing social you know slowing down that curve and you know and, and visiting with distance and caution and you know so on but i think like just taking that personal responsibility of prioritizing who do you what's, what really matters to you like you know what, you know if, you had to, I'm sure it's like, you know, hundreds of things we all want to do doing, you know, especially for extroverts, but like, what are the most, like, what are the five most important things that would really satisfy you in terms of having that social interaction and start with what matters most and go from there. And then, slowly build that, build on that from, you know, do that, see how it goes and build on it. Does that make sense? Or? Yeah,
0: no, I, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, My wife tells you know, me, I
1: say, does that make sense too much? I, it's a habit
0: that, I appreciate it because you know because clear communication is is important. Okay, so my last question: When trying yeah. to get peace and feel informed about yeah. COVID nineteen, where should we go? Where do you recommend we go? I'll tell a story and see if I can bring it in.
1: So I used to be, I used to practice yoga religiously, like back in college, and I had this awesome teacher. Uh, her name is Carrie. So shout out to Carrie if you're listening. You're you're the best. So every yoga class or session, or whatever you call it she would say like, so when we in like whatever pretzel pole pose, she'd be like, all right, scan your body for area, areas that aren't tight. Scan your body for what mobility you do have. And, so, and she'd always say this, and I always go in one ear and out the other. So we're doing this one night, and we're doing downward dog. And, you know, that's like one of my least favorites, because I, you know, I could, you know, do other stuff, but I could never get my heels to touch the ground. The downward dog, like, She's saying it. My heels are off the ground. And I, for whatever reason, it clicked with me that night. I heard her, and I started scanning my body. I'm like, oh, okay, my hamstrings. They're, they're nice and loose. What's going on with them? So I looked at her, like, well, what happens if I engage my hamstrings? Well, heels started going down. I had that perfect pose going. And this became like an analogy for other areas of our life. When we're stressed out, it's human nature to focus on what hurts you know, if we're in stress or pain or anything, but we focus on the areas that hurt and we tend to overlook areas where things are right. You know, like I know with all the schedule changes, you know, I was guilty of it the first few weeks of like just being caught up in the, the new normal and how much it hurt and how stressful it was. I, I, I ignored all the areas of my life I had space to move. And so once I kind of reoriented myself, I was like, okay, I got time here, and I can do this this way, and you know, so on. You know, I began to kind of ease into the new norm, and it became a lot easier for me. I, thought, I think I found my piece that way. So I guess the answer there is to like focus on what's working or what space you do have to find your piece. On where to go for like information, is that the
0: question on the next part yes, of that. Have the same point. Like,
1: obviously, like peer review journals are ideal, you know, and I know most folks don't have, like, a background in research or so on, but, like, you know, you kind of want to look at what you're reading, and I don't know, remember in first grade it was, like, opinions or facts. <laughs> and <laughs> I think a lot of us <laughs> forgot that lesson, you know? Uh, that's... Like, this is this an opinion or fact, right? Right. Um, so let's we'll stick with facts. Let's make sure we're reading stuff that's fact-based, reality-based, done by people who know how to look at reality and facts, doctors, medical professionals, and so on, and use that information to kind of guide our decision-making. You know, and I think that's the best place to go to. And then the other part of it is, you know, there, it can be this, um, this pull to read stuff that upsets us. twenty-four hour news networks and things like that, like, you know, they kind of operate on keeping us outraged and just freaked out, because that's, that's kind of addictive in its own way. You know, it's kind of hard to like not look at a train wreck. And so, you know, I, what I recommend is stay informed. Don't be ignorant, but also don't obsess like, you know, once a day, maybe, or once every other day, just check in with whatever reputable source you have, see how things are going, read what professionals are recommending and then limit yourself. You know, you can't just stay focused on the scary stuff all the time. Otherwise you're going to exhaust yourself or, get kind of weird there you know mm-hmm. I don't know that I have like a, a website to point you to say go here I, I kind of Tucky, you know we got our governor I think doing a pretty good job with staying pretty uh, reality based with this information and presenting just the facts as they are so you know I kind of like to go to him to hear what he has to say and that's, that's where I go at least but uh, you know I, I know everyone has a different opinion on things so you know go to
0: what works for you and what is but yourself honest with is this an opinion or fact? Just that simple question will make things a lot easier and it kind of takes the yeah. stress out of it. Right. Uh, it's a
1: question
0: that we don't ask enough of, do we? No. <laughs> so, right. let, So just in case you haven't, this is where you turned in for some odd reason. Facts and opinions. There's a difference. Right. <laughs> a difference. That's right. I do have another question. We're both dads, both dads of daughters. Um, mm-hmm. how, many, how many children do you have? Do you have just her? I, two. I have two. I
1: have a eight-month-old and a five-year-old. Oh. Well, five and a half. She corrects me now. She knows she's five and a half. <laughs> Sorry, colette. five and a half.
0: He's like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. Okay. What's been the biggest revelation for you so far being a dad?
1: There's, like, this shift. You know, you're married or whatever if you're married. But, like, even married... You know, without a kid, you know, you kind of do what you want and, you know, you have a lot of freedom and so on to all of a sudden you have this being that's dependent on you. I think it's sort of like a a reflection or that kind of came into of what would it be like to depend on me? Am I being the person that I would want to depend on? And I think that's a question like most men need to ask themselves, you know, as like, you know, for their home or for their children, or just not just like financially, but like, you know, like, I mean, like emotionally, what would it be like to come to me with your feelings? What would it be like to come to me with your thoughts or beliefs or how you are, who you are, my being that guy that I, you know, that I'd want to go to that I'd feel safe going to. And just like how, how important that is that as a father, that we be that for our children. Um, so that, I guess that was a uh, sort of revelation, like just that, you know, the kids are always, you know, they're always watching you, they're always learning from you. They're, they're you know, our collect my five year old, my five and a half year old. Uh, I mean, she repeats, this, she, you know, repeats what we say. She's always listening, always absorbing like a little sponge, everything I'm doing. And so it's like, you know, that keeps me honest. Like, like okay, I gotta make sure I'm doing things the way I feel like is the right way to do things.
0: Well, thank you very much. I, yeah. pre- I appreciate your time. That was, that was yes, a lot man. of fun. Thanks. That went by quick. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, let me know what you think and what questions I, maybe I, I should have asked. You can find Eric at Unlimited Avenues online, which is, of course, unlimitedavenues.com, all one word. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Demond Does, also all one word. Next week, I'll be on the line with author, speaker, and licensed mental health counselor, Brittany Johnson. So until next time, see, hear it, speak it, live.